Greetings, everyone. Stefan Stelter here with episode three of Cloud Chat with Stefan and Matt, where we're going to talk cloud mandate good, cloud mandate bad. Uh, excited, <laughs> excited to start this conversation. We introduced it a little bit in episode two. Excited to be with you again. Thanks for joining us. Matt, how are things going? Well, very well. I really enjoyed our last talk, and I think this uh, this focus on cloud mandates is is an interesting one indeed. And I think it's one that many of our peers in IT, quite frankly, face every day. Indeed, yes. And this idea, you wonder if there's a word choice element. You know, when you say mandate, does that have an implication that suddenly uh, maybe cools people to? the idea of it. it does it become an order is it suddenly you know you're being ordered to do this and it's not you're not you're not a part of the conversation you're just being told what to do um, have you been on the receiving end of a cloud mandate or when you speak with customers have you heard of, of customers and had interactions with uh, with those who have had cloud mandates what does that what does that sound like maybe maybe we do a little conversation around what the heck is a cloud mandate the, the flavors of cloud mandate. <laughs> so it is a spectrum too. Um, I think a lot of people have a cloud mandate, but it's kind of like the cloud itself. It means different things to different people. Um, for us at NetApp IT, we've always had a cloud first mindset. But what it meant really to us was leveraging SaaS. SaaS is the cloud. And making sure that we were uh, investing IT resources in the correct things. But I've seen customers where it's a pure cloud mandate, where it's just go to the cloud or else. And I actually, I kind of think that's a little bit dangerous because you're not, any, anytime you do something without thinking about it, you're going to have challenges. There's always a, a better way of, of doing things, having a, a good plan, having a good reason to do things. Um, and I think that's kind of the the where you get the cloud good man cloud mandate bad type of conversation going yes did did the edict come from uh, the magazine in the seat back pocket of the uh, <laughs> the first class cabin where uh, the c-suite executive most recently read that cloud is the thing that people should do although maybe that's no longer a fear given our current circumstances and not quite as much travel as there's been in the past maybe, maybe it's coming from online sources talking about cloud um but you know that uh it, the word mandate has that that sense of um again loss of loss of freedom to some extent uh but as we as we discussed last week and 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 in general when we have these conversations around cloud chat we, you know, we set the, the tone early that while cloud has this implication of public cloud and hyperscale cloud providers and not that large um, solve that that uh, folks often have we think about it more in the context of, of private clouds as well and and when you think about a cloud mandate and, and maybe a more softer um, phrasing or maybe just a softer approach to it say well yeah we're, we're trying to mandate that everything that we build and everything that we design is enabled for private or public cloud consumption so we're, we're using a, a cloud centric approach to the way that we we do things so that we make it automatable repeatable and uh, yes. you start thinking about uh, reducing the the technical debt that that uh, you know, to use some some buzzword bingo in here, but um, those are ways ways to eliminate some of that. It's just by by making sure you can automate it. That gives you more time to focus on, on technical debt as it accumulates. Use the right resource at the right right place at the right time. I think you just defined the cloud good 
right? Yes, yes. It's, I'm it's feeling optimistic. My, yeah. my coffee cup is half full. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's so the cloud good mandate or mindset is that you are, you're taking all the best of the cloud, the speed, the ability to scale, the ability to look at the world as a bunch of resources and then how, how best then to leverage those technical resources uh, to maximize the value you have to your business and obviously to the market. Um, but again, so then the, the exact opposite is true is cloud mandate bad is when you just blindly are doing things, not thinking about costs, not thinking about how you scale it, not thinking about um, even the, the rhyme or reason. And I, and I think, yes. in, in, so how do you get from bad then to good? An interesting question. And, and is bad all bad? Uh, there, are, uh, there are some, some thoughts around, if you pick a cloud and you set a direction, uh, it, at least you're moving, right? And you've and you've pushed, and you've you've you. If you're doing it right, maybe you're empowering people to drive toward that 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 cloud. Uh, but that singularity of focus, that sense of purpose, uh, I think, when led properly, you can you can get behind even a, a harsh mandate. But yeah, it, it does seem to be very dependent on that leadership style and that approach. So maybe you've inherited a cloud mandate and, and maybe the, the business isn't, you know, has softened from the initial approach. How can, you, how can you think about going from that cloud bad to cloud good? Well, well let's I, I like talk that about thought. that too, because you know, as I'm thinking about, there's also maybe a stage of company development element to this. So for example, a cloud mandate for a startup company is probably a very good thing, right? Yeah. Uh, in the context of you don't want to spend all your resources building a data center, you want to spend all your resources being creative. So a yeah. cloud mandate. How much, how much time do you want to spend in front of the VCs explaining why X percent of the funding you're requesting needs to be a data center, right? That's, uh, shouldn't you be talking more about your business plan, your process, your competitive differentiation, all those things? That you know, we've we've spoken about uh, on occasion. Are we are we uh, running the business or transforming the business? Or to to use some of the delineations that you've expressed to me in the past. Right. So, so then, if you think about that again, in that whole spectrum, a cloud mandate having to do cloud when you're a well-established business and running everything at a certain level of efficiency may may not make sense. So again, defining that cloud good and cloud bad. So let's talk a little bit about then how do you transition from a generic cloud mandate where just everything has to go to the cloud without rhyme or reason to a cloud mandate where there is rhyme or reason. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, it, you... It, yeah you, you, you think about it from a, a technical leadership perspective and, and we have an opportunity to choose how we hear things. <laughs> you know, so we, we have, uh, and, and, and I think maybe there's a greater commentary on, on society and human interactions as of late in general, but um, you could hear cloud mandate and be like, this person wants us to do everything in the cloud now. And that is, you know, you're, you, you can take a response of digging your heels in and, uh, and explaining all the reasons why a cloud mandate, a cloud mandate is a horrible idea. And look at these costs and look at these articles. And, and I, I listened to Matt and Stefan on their, on their cloud chat. And they were talking about the Andreessen Horowitz article and how, you know, cloud, there's going to be repatriation and uh, but maybe you maybe you choose to interpret it differently and say cloud mandate. What a great idea! 
we should be building our on-premises applications in such a way that we can develop our private cloud on-premises, right? And let's let's let let the technical uh, uh, interpretation of it um, illuminate the the business person's uh, perspective on on what the cloud means. And like, you're a genius for a cloud mandate. Let's do that. Let's build let's build things. So maybe choosing your interpretation appropriately. Or in a right. way that that sets you more alongside uh, the, the business executive rather than opposite the table in a, a combative way. Well, it, it, it kind of gets back to earlier conversation about what does the cloud even mean? When you say cloud mandate, people immediately think that's just outsourcing everything, right? But in, what you just defined was cloud mandate is having that ability to scale up, scale down, and whether it's on or off premise kind of to some extent irrelevant. The private cloud does feature here, but having that key, the same type of capabilities. So move away from cloud being this finite term of a, a, a hyperscaler to cloud meaning a, a type of set of capabilities, the scaling, um, the ability to uh, uh, be flexible, the ability back to the ag agility, the yes. ability to be responsive, right? That, that, that time too with high quality. So if you redefine cloud like that, I think a lot more people probably will be a little bit more open. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, and it is interesting just hearing you talk about um, flexibility and scalability. And in the context of private cloud, it, there's you almost have a, I, I personally have a, a visceral reaction to this idea of, well, scalability is true because I can always scale up. How do I scale down though? And you know, here's all the downsides to physical infrastructure. Uh, but but understanding that there are so many more vehicles available to customers today in terms of how they consume on premises. Yes. So that the more cloud-like vehicles, um, I'm wearing an NFT shirt, so I'll, I'll say things like Keystone, where yes. we'll, we'll bring capacity in and, and you're, you're agreeing to use a certain amount of capacity, but you're able to change that up or down and, and pay for what you, what you use. Those become really powerful models to... Uh, to make even that private cloud have that that those same kinds of, of levers and, and apply that that leverage that you might want to get from a public cloud. And, and well, it definitely, it definitely makes things more, gives you options and makes things more attractive for that private cloud. I mean, arguably, uh, to some extent, the private cloud can be far more cost efficient if you have and, and leveraging some of those resources to scale up and scale down in an OpEx model, again, gives you more levers to turn to really maximize those capabilities. Um, let's talk a little bit about though, so how do you go from no cloud to, to cloud? <laughs> yes. It's, it's easy when you're greenfield, brand new company and put everything in the cloud. Oh, that's easy. Uh, yeah. But what if you're like us, been around for what, 30, car company's been around for 30 years. How, how, how do you go from, you know, <laughs> no cloud to getting those types of capabilities? Let's talk a little yes. bit about that. Well, I, I love it. And when when you think about the, you know, the, the premise of our conversation here, cloud mandates, even if it's maybe it's not as aggressive a cloud mandate, maybe it's a, come on, we need to show some progress team, you get a more empathetic leader who's uh, wants to be a, a servant leader, how can I help you get more more workloads into the cloud. Um, and, and those are some of the things that in my my role talking to, to partners and, and end customers we talk about how NetApp technology and ONTAP powered technologies allow you to tier cold blocks of data into the cloud. So the, the technology cloud tiering uh, yeah. or by fabric. Backup cloud. archives, they, great place to start. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, and that becomes the other place, right? So you, you either say cold blocks that are components of active applications, we can tier those, or, hey, I want to have a copy. Let me put a copy in the cloud. I want to do some 
disaster recovery. Um, but I'm, I'm curious. So, so that you know that can apply to a, a relatively small customer, and, and it's it's something that NetApp uh, allows customers to do with with even our smallest arrays, the smallest things that you can buy from us, uh, allow this capability, even the software defined version. So you know, you, you want to have your own hardware choice, and and you want to apply our software defined versions of our storage management tool on tap that allows you to, to, to do the same tiering that I'm, I'm describing. So really powerful capabilities for, again, entry-level, mid-level uh, organizations. Matt, from, from a, a NetApp, on NetApp perspective, NetApp IT, how are we, how did we start dipping our toe into the cloud? I mean, we're much further down our, our journey holistically now, but uh, thinking about those first steps of embracing <laughs> some cloud. I'd like cloud light. I would like uh, diet cloud. Yeah. How do you do? How do you how do you do cloud good? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I, I didn't be honest with you. When we first started, I think we were like everybody else. We we didn't know what to, we 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 had a direction. There wasn't a clear path forward. But when I'm looking at things in retrospect, and now where we're sitting and how we're looking at the cloud today, the the fundamental thing that we learned early on in our approach was there are really two types of applications. I think we touched about this in the last uh, chat. There's as applications that run the business, the common things that everybody does, and then there's things that differentiate the business. And if you take the the basic approach that everything that runs the business should eventually go to SaaS, that leaves still a good chunk of applications. Now the next question is: is okay, those applications, what can go to the cloud? And I think that requires a multi perspective of the not only the health and hygiene of that application, how it's architected today. Can it leverage a true virtualized environment? Can it can you make changes to it without having to take the whole application down? Um, can it scale uh, in your for your your company? And then um, uh, in those considerations, uh, <laughs> How much do you have to change to obtain that agility and that necessary capability that you need? And always look at stuff like always on. We need to have applications that are always available uh, for true business resiliency. So there's you have to look at the applications in a whole your portfolio in a whole different way and start to really then assess and then prioritize what applications you're going to go after to really enable them to be or re-architect them to be cloud-like. So when you when you think about the the first application that uh, that that went to a, a cloud was it low performance high capacity high performance high capacity high performance low capacity uh, were there were there attributes that you could clearly associate with uh, I'm going to argue or? you know a lot of people look at the the types of workloads I'm going to argue that rarely comes into it it's it's the what kind of, let me pick a great example of an application that we need to move to the cloud and uh, we need to kind of move fast. It turned out to be one of our most critical applications, our support site. The support site ends up being a whole set of federated applications uh, that have evolved over the 30 years of uh, NetApp uh, being around. Very hard to upgrade. Um, it was a lot of our SAP CRM legacy application that had been highly customized. So very hard to make changes to that support site to, to create a better customer experience. Um, while it was one of our most critical applications, it was also the one we started, one of the ones we started with, learning how to use new technologies like uh, microservices. So it was a little bit of a risk, um, but it was high priority that we were enabled that capability. And we started to learn about how do you unwind 
that technical debt, uh, abstract that UI, and, and really create a capability that we've never had before in terms of you know, customer, the, the customer site, the customer experience. So again, That's workloads great. had very rare, rarely have anything to do with it. It's the it's the what is the capability of the application and uh, and uh, what's the current gaps and how do you fill those gaps? And it is with new technology with new architecture. And so a, a couple of things that uh, I, I noted in my head here. Uh, one of them is I, I like in, in my time at NetApp in ten years I've, I've been able to observe the changes to the support site and the way that it's evolved. And, and I, I think that's a useful thing to highlight, this idea that, yes, microservices, but it doesn't have to be everything microservices right now, all cloud, go. It can be, let's pick off this element, this aspect of a larger service, and let's cloudify that. And, and then let's integrate it and build the hooks and use microservices to build those hooks and have, have that, 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 that occur. So, so that might be a more... Uh, cloud realistic, like true cloud, we're doing things in the cloud, we, we're getting a speed of development benefit out of the cloud. Uh, but if you find yourself on the receiving end of a cloud mandate, there's another thing that you said earlier, which is looking at the things that run the business, what can you make SaaS? And uh, you, you might find yourself as a technologist inside of your organization, making a case to the owner. You know, we are already clouding some things because we are using some software as a service capabilities. So, you know, you can check that, that box in your, <laughs> not to be cynical, but, you know, during cocktail parties, you can absolutely say owner of our business, our company, our organization, you can say we are in the cloud. We are right. doing cloud things. We have some SaaS component. So you can, you can rest easy at night knowing we're headed in that direction. And we're taking these other initiatives, but just right. just being a little sassy gets you, you know, <laughs> part way gets you part way into the cloud already. <laughs> I like that could be a little sassy. Um, and and going kind of going back to the workloads. So it's not necessarily about the, the 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 types of workloads per se. It is the types of business. So for example, areas that we started with, like many companies, uh, moving email, moving SharePoint, moving all that into the cloud, that yeah. gave us just capabilities. Um, moving. Our HR systems, um, again, moving from them on-prem to the cloud was kind of a no-brainer as well. Moving our sales systems. I mean, you're not going to build those things on-prem anymore. So those things kind of organically happened only because you wanted those new capabilities. Again, when you go back into those things you can't move, it is driven by business need. Um, it doesn't matter how complicated the workflows are or how bad the architecture is. If the business, if, if you need it because there's a gap, it's going to force you to change. So another great example is... Um, our business intelligence. Um, <laughs> these things grow over time, become very hard to change, very hard to respond to business. And that's one of the other areas that we're focusing on leveraging a combination of on-prem, but also SaaS solutions to really bring all these different data sets together to give us agility and speed of reporting and give us more insights to data than we ever had before. That's awesome. I'm excited to talk about that in, in more detail in a, in a future episode. Well, so uh, thanks for listening, everybody. You be the judge. Cloud mandate good, cloud mandate bad. <laughs> Hopefully we gave you some things to think about. Thanks for joining us uh, for this episode. Have a great day. Cloud chat with Stefan and Matt. Enjoy, everybody.